my name is Eloise, and welcome to the Take Me to the World Musical Theater podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about musicals. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about light and lighting design as part of the continuation of my visual elements series. But before we get into the episode, a couple of quick announcements. First, sometimes I swear because musicals fucking rule. Next, sometimes I'll spoil shows. Today, I might be spoiling a little bit of Hamilton just to give you a heads up, but this isn't an in-depth analysis of the show. And I also like to say that I'm a musical theater enthusiast. I'm not an expert, especially when it comes to this visual element series. This is not my forte. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. I'm sure I'm going to miss some things or get some things wrong or use terminology that isn't correct. I'll let you know that I do have my resource page for every podcast episode that I do. You can find that by going to takemetotheworld.com and clicking on the podcast category at the top of the page. This is going to be episode 19, so you can click on episode 19, listen to the podcast if you haven't already, and then find any resources that I may mention. That will have links to where you can listen to the cast recording, where you can watch it if it's available on streaming services, and where you can buy tickets for the show if it's a professionally run Broadway London kind of touring production. If that's available at the time that I post the episode, I'll make sure to put that on there as well. This is the third episode I'll be doing in the visual element series. The first episode I did was about props, and I talked about that in episode 15, and then the next one I talked about set design in episode 17. If you haven't listened to the other episodes in the series, that's fine because this isn't a series where you need to listen to the previous episodes to understand this episode. They're very much independent of each other. But if you want to know a little bit about why I decided to start this series, you can go back to episode 15, and in the opening part I kind of talk about that there. A couple weeks ago, a touring production of Hamilton came to Edmonton, and I know I've spoken about Hamilton quite a bit. I even had an episode about it, so I don't want this to become the All Hamilton All the Time podcast. But since I recently saw a professionally done production of the show, it's easy for me to use this as an example for this episode because they were using professional lighting. And while there are lots of movie adaptations of musicals out there, I know that lighting that's done in film is going to be a lot different than the lighting used on stage. Now, Hamilton isn't the only stage musical I've watched recently. A friend and I went to see a community theater production of A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder not too long ago, and the Broadway run of that show won a bunch of Tonys in 2014, including Best New Musical. This might be obvious, but a community theater isn't going to have the same access to the type of lighting and light design that a professional show and larger theater will have. And that's not to say that the show itself was bad. It was actually really well done, and it was a lot of fun. But there were a couple reasons why I didn't pick this show to use as an example for lighting design. First off, it was a show I'd never seen before, so I was more focused on stories and the characters and what was happening that way rather than looking at the different lighting cues that might have been happening. The other reason is because, unfortunately, the original venue they were supposed to perform at was flooded and they had to perform at a different venue, and I'm not sure if the lighting equipment they used at this venue where I saw the show would have been the same lighting equipment that they were supposed to use and how that all works. I bring this up not to Lambasque Community Theatre, just to point out there are differences in the type of lighting equipment that can be used between professional theatres and community theaters wanted to focus on shows where I could either watch a recording of a filmed on stage version or I could use a show that I actually just recently saw on stage and can focus on the lighting that was used there. So Hamilton, it's a show I've seen before. I've seen it on stage in London back in 2018 and I'd also watched it once on Disney Plus and I've listened to the cast recording 10,000 times or so. I don't know. It's a show that I know I wasn't focused on trying to figure out what's happening with Hamilton and Jefferson and all the other characters. It was a show where I could kind of focus on some of the other details And while I was looking at some things with costumes and choreography and other visual elements I haven't talked about yet, I was mostly paying attention to the lighting because I found it really interesting. But before we start talking about Hamilton, let's backtrack for a second. What do I personally know about lighting for stage? As mentioned before, I don't really know much. 
but I'm gonna talk about like a few general kind of ideas about lighting that I know. Some of these might be really obvious and there might be some terminology that I'm using that isn't correct. There might be more technical terms that people in theater would know about. I'm just gonna kind of do a general layman's idea about this. First off, lighting is used to illuminate something important on stage. This could be a performer or a group of performers, maybe using something like a spotlight. It could be illuminating the whole stage or a specific section of the stage. It could even be illuminating a set piece or a prop. A lot of times the lights will be overhead, but there can also be lighting on the floor, on the side of the stage, and behind the stage, known as backlighting. Sometimes there can be lights that are part of the set design or props. I would consider more set design piece. And this is the idea of some of these visual elements that I'm talking about overlapping a little bit. For example, in the Phantom of the Opera, they use candles in the Phantom Slayer, and it's technically a set piece, but it's also relighting. Lights can move physically. They can be rotated, adjusted, I'm sure different things like that when they're up overhead. But when they're part of the set or set design, they can also be moved on and off the stage. One example I like to use, I haven't seen the musical, but I talked a little bit about Hades Town in the last episode. In the Tony performance of that show for the song Wait For Me, they have these overhead kind of lanterns that they swing back and forth. That's one way that lights can kind of move physically. Stage lights can turn on or off, or they can dim to change the focus or the mood of the scene. And the speed at which this is done can vary. For example, the lights could dim really slowly, or they could flash off quickly in a dramatic kind of way. Lights can be very brightly focused, or they could have a softer feel to them. There can be different colors of lights that are used on stage. These could be the same color or same color scheme. For example, a color scheme of various shades of blue or warm colors, or the lights could have different colors or different color schemes. They could be complementary colors. They could be contrasting, just depending on what is the idea for the lighting design for that particular scene. And as I realized in Hamilton, you can light up the stage, either floor or the side of the stage or wherever the lights focus the back of the stage with a different design or pattern. This is something called a gobo. This is done in photography as well as with stage lighting, but basically what happens is they'll take a sheet with a design cut into it and place it over top of a light, and then that design will get projected to wherever the light is focused. Finally, lighting can be used a lot of times to show contrast, and sometimes it's not about what is being illuminated, but also about paying attention to what's not being illuminated. Like if you have a scene where all of the characters are on one side and they're singing and they're dancing and they're all lit up a nice bright light and there's another character by themselves in like a very dim light or with no lighting or hardly any lighting, then that's kind of showing you that there's something going on with that character, they feel rejected, they're being secretive. Depends on what the plot of the show is, obviously. But it is important to pay attention to what's not being illuminated, what's not being lit, as well as paying attention to what's being lit. Lighting is something that will often change pretty quickly throughout a show. And there is something that I want to point out, and that is that you really shouldn't be noticing every time the light changes. I mean, you might notice it, but you're not going to be like, oh my god, now it's dimming, now it's turned to blue, now the light's green, now it's flashing really quickly. You might notice, oh, the lights have changed a little bit, but with any musical, the focus isn't to be on the lighting itself. The lighting is there to complement the story, the characters, the plot, the setting. That's another thing. Lights can be used to focus on characters or something, but it can also be used to show the time of day or something. Like if it's sunrise, they might do like an orangey kind of light or something like that. If it's nighttime, it might be more blue lights. The point of this episode isn't to be like, everybody take a note of every time the lights change in a musical. Because if it's done well, you're gonna notice the lights are changing, possibly but you're not going to be focused on it. You're going to be focused on the story or the plot or the characters, all that. 
Whereas for me, because I'd seen Hamilton already, I was still paying attention to that, but I was really focused on the lighting. I looked it up and Hamilton won a Tony for Best Lighting Design of a Musical when it was nominated. Howell Binkley, who did the lighting design for this show, was also nominated for several other musicals that he worked on, and he won for Hamilton, as mentioned, as well as for Kiss of a Spider-Woman in 1993 and Jersey Boys in 2005. He passed away a couple years ago. I wasn't obviously at the Broadway production in New York of this show, but my understanding with touring production for these professionally run tours is that they're going to be as close as possible to the original production as they can be. So the lighting that I saw for Hamilton in Edmonton would be pretty much the same lighting used on Broadway or in the West End or any other professionally run production. I'd kind of made notes for myself during the intermission of the show about the different lighting things I was noticing, and I went back and I watched Hamilton on Disney Plus just to kind of see if what I was seeing was also used in the Broadway version, and it was. Now I'm not going to talk about every lighting cue that's used in Hamilton because that would be absolutely insane. I will say that the lights change really quickly and quite often. There are some shows where the lights change pretty slowly, but Hamilton's a very fast-paced show where there's a lot of information, a lot of plot and stuff that's happening throughout the show constantly, so it kind of makes sense that the lighting is matching the sort of energy that the show has itself. One way that lighting can be used is to indicate setting like time of day. So in a show there may be moments where they want to give the effect that it's dark out, like if there's a scene set at night, but they're not going to be able to entirely turn off the lights to indicate that it's nighttime. There may be points where it's dark for a little bit on stage, but you can't have an entire song and dance number when the stage is completely dark. The audience wouldn't be able to see what's happening, plus it would be pretty unsafe for the performers. I'll talk about one song that's set at nighttime where we can see how the lighting indicates the time of day, and that's during the song Say No to This. So in that song they use blue tinted lights that are fairly dimmed for the stage, and this helps to show the audience that this scene and song is set at night. We also know what time of day it is by the set pieces that are brought out. So they bring out street lanterns that have lit candles in them. In 1790-something, when this song scene is taking place, street lanterns wouldn't have been lit up during the day with candles. They would have only been lit up at dusk and at night. And because of the blue lighting, we can kind of infer that it's probably sometime in the evening, maybe later at night. Remember, I'm analyzing just the lighting on its own in this episode, but when you watch a musical or a play or any other show like that, you're going to use other visual elements like the set in the show, plus the dialogue that's happening, the songs, the music, the action on stage, to help give you context for what's happening, like informing you of the time of day that this scene is taking place. Dim and low lighting can represent nighttime, but that's not the only thing it can tell us, and in some cases it might represent something that's more character-based, like somebody trying to keep something secret or hidden. And this is also the case with the song Say No to This. The song is about the affair that Alexander Hamilton is having with Mariah Reynolds. Since they're having an affair, they're trying to keep things secret and hidden, and the use of low lighting in the scene is showing that as well. Now that's not to say that the entire song is in low lighting, because there are many points where the light focuses on Hamilton and Mariah Reynolds, sometimes on each of them individually, but also on them together, such as when Hamilton is sitting on a chair with Mariah Reynolds sitting on his lap. The use of lighting in this circumstance, where it's focused on Hamilton or Mariah Reynolds or them sitting on the chair together and it's kind of a brighter light than the blue light that is being shown, is almost like foreshadowing. It's kind of letting us know this affair is going to be brought to light. We don't exactly know how that's going to happen unless you're a history buff or read the Reynolds pamphlet. What we do know though is that Alexander Hamilton, at this point in the song, is a well-known public figure with several enemies who probably want to try to expose him, take his name down, that sort of thing. The lighting is showing us, it's a little bit of foreshadowing to say that like, 
not everything is going to be kept in the dark forever. Some things are going to be brought to light. Dim and low lighting can be used to indicate setting. It can be indicate to let us know if somebody's trying to keep a secret, like and say no to this. The idea of contrast between light and dark, if somebody's being kept in the dark, that might be shown in the shadows. Maybe they don't know what's going on. Maybe they don't know what's happening. And I was thinking about this as well. When you go to a theater and you're seeing a show, they also dim the lights over. See, they do that so you're not distracted by the person sitting next to you or something like that. But it's also, I think, a little bit of a symbolism thing where it's like we, the audience, we don't know what's happening in the show. We're also in the dark until we finish watching the musical. One song where we can clearly see somebody being kept in the dark and wanting to figure out what's going on is the song The Room Where It Happens. In the opening section of that song, the lighting is moderately bright on stage. And in this part, we see Hamilton and Burr first talking to each other. There are lights on Hamilton and Burr who are standing together, and then we see Jefferson and Madison walk on stage left. And I'll just make a quick note for everybody. When you're talking about stage directions, stage left is whichever way the audience is seeing the stage. So if you're sitting in the audience, whatever's to your left is stage left, whatever's to the right is stage right. So Jefferson and Madison walk on stage left, and lighting also highlights the two of them, and then it kind of increases a little bit in brightness over the stage. When Burr starts with the line, two Virginians and an immigrant walk into a room diametrically opposed foes, the lighting dims quite a bit, but Burr, who is standing now alone near the front of the stage, is still fairly illuminated, and at the back of the stage we see Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison, but their backs are turned to the audience. We can see several lights overhead of them, and then we also see that the set is backlit, that means that there's lights behind the set, with some red and purple light. Now Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison are doing what I call theater talking. I'm sure there's probably a more official term for when a performer on stage pretends to talk to another performer. They're basically mouthing a conversation but not audibly saying anything, so the audience is focusing on the performer who is talking or singing, in this case Aaron Burr. Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison have lights on them, but as mentioned before, their backs are turned to the audience and to Burr. The lighting indicates a spotlight on these three men, letting us know there's something important going on here. Aside from the spotlight that's on them, there isn't much light to the side or behind them, downstage closer to the audience. To me, this indicates that we, like Aaron Burr, at this moment have no idea what they're talking about. We're being kept in the dark. Instead, our attention is drawn towards Aaron Burr, who is fairly well lit as he starts singing. We also see a light at the back of the stage on some of the ensemble cast as they start to come downstage closer to where Aaron Burr is. The first time the chorus of this song starts, the lighting at the back of the stage and stage left dims, but the back of the set on stage right is still backlit with that sort of red lighting. More importantly, Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison walk off stage, which we could see as, you know, just part of the plot. They're going to have their meeting, but we can also see it as they're walking off into the dark. Dark secrets, keeping things hidden, etc. And the light shifts to focus on Burr. During the chorus, we see four ensemble members, and what's interesting is that they have a spotlight, but the spotlight is not like a round spotlight like you would normally get. It makes a rectangle on the floor. Since this song is the room where it happens, I immediately thought of a door because doors are a rectangular shape. We could see this as symbolism for Burr trying to get his foot in the door. He wants to be in the room where it happens. But there's also the line, nobody really knows how the game is played during the chorus. And when that is said, at this point, the rectangular shape of light kind of shrinks to a square, which reminded me of squares on a chessboard or a checkersboard, a literal game. As the ensemble dances, this square of light disappears, and then the ensemble and Burr are sort of lit in the center of the stage. Just before the verse, Aaron Burr takes a few steps back, and there are blue lights over him, which then dim. So unlike Say No to This, the blue lights here probably represent Burr being kept in the dark and not knowing what's going on, 
rather than being an indication for setting. There is a light on Burr during the verses, but the lighting over Burr isn't as big or as bright as it is on the other main cast members that are on the stage, that is on Jefferson, Hamilton, and Madison. So in what I'm going to call the first verse of the song, I consider the opening part of the song worth Hamilton and Burr talking to be a little bit different, but the first kind of verse where we see Jefferson, he's now lit with Hamilton nearby, and Jefferson starts talking about his side of the story of what happened here. Jefferson then walks across the stage to Madison, who's on the other side, and at the end of the verse, as Jefferson and Madison walk off stage together, the light over Burr, which had been a little bit dimmer, and the ensemble gets brighter as the chorus starts. When the next verse happens, the light starts fading over Burr near the end of the chorus, just before the, the verse, and it lights up over Madison, who's on stage left, when we get his side of the story. Then during the line, meanwhile Congress is fighting over where to put the capital, the lights that are blue and focused down at the back of the stage go down, and then they light up when everybody starts shouting where they want the capital. So essentially for the first two verses of the song, the pattern is Burr is well lit in the chorus when Jefferson and Hamilton and Madison are off stage or with their backs turned to the audience. But when the verses come on, Burr isn't as well lit as Jefferson and then Madison. And I see this for two reasons. First, stage lighting illuminates the performers we should be focusing on. Burr in the verse is almost like a narrator. He's not what the audience should be focused on. He's not giving us a ton of new information, but he's providing a bit of context for the situation. But the chorus is about Burr. It's him singing, I want to be in the room where it happens, which is why the light focuses on him and the ensemble, because he's the focus at this point of the song. But there's also the idea that the light on Burr in the chorus is illuminating this idea that Burr wants to be in the room where it happens, or that he wants to know what's going on. He doesn't want to sit on the sidelines and just wait for it. He wants to be part of the action. But during the verse, there's less light on Burr because he doesn't entirely know what's going on. The chorus after verse 2 is interesting, because Burr's light with a sort of white-yellow light, like a normal kind of light color, but at the back of the stage we see Hamilton, Jefferson, and Madison sitting at a table for their meeting, and that table is kind of lit in like a bluish color. Now, we know from the beginning of the song that discussions are happening over dinner, so the blue light at this point can indicate time of day, but it also represents secrecy, but a different kind of secrecy than the previous song, Say No to This. We don't know exactly what's going on with this meeting. We know they're discussing something important, and with the conversation between Jefferson and Madison that occurred in the previous verse, we can infer it has something to do with where the U.S. Capitol will be, but we don't know that everything that's happening in this meeting. We see Burr walk behind the table to ask, what did they say to you to get you to sell New York City down the river? Did Washington know? Was there presidential pressure to deliver? And that's when Hamilton walks away from the table downstage towards the audience. Then we see a spotlight on Hamilton, because now he's at the front of the stage. He's the one revealing things. The light over the table of Jefferson and Madison is still that kind of bluish color, as is the light over the ensemble dancing in the background. Hamilton essentially has the spotlight, but what's interesting is, at first Burr waits in the back, but as Hamilton starts with what's essentially the bridge of the song, starts saying, when you got skin in the game, you stay in the game, Burr comes up to him, standing right behind him to stage, slightly to stage right, but approaching the spotlight that Hamilton has. Instead of the light choosing where to focus, it's like Burr is stepping into the light by Hamilton. He's literally showing us that he's not going to wait for it. He's deciding his fate and his destiny. And when Hamilton asks, what do you want, Burr? Hamilton moves back to sit at the table with Jefferson and Madison, and Burr and eight of the ensemble members are illuminated as the final go-around of the course happens. Historically, I don't know if Alexander Hamilton told Aaron Burr what happened in this meeting. I think this was done in the musical to give the narrative impact of the story and the character development a little bit more of a punch. 
Burr approaches the spotlight Hamilton has during the bridge, clearly indicates that Burr isn't going to wait in the shadows. He wants to make things happen. He's seeking glory, light, fame, something. But it also kind of indicates the rivalry that these men have as well, which is historically pretty accurate. In this way, it's kind of like, Hamilton has the spotlight, I want the spotlight too, kind of thing. So while Burr sings, I want to be in the room where it happens, a yellow light illuminates the stage. When he says the art of compromise, it shifts to blue and then adds more yellow. So why does the light turn blue in this instance? Well, I think it's because despite Burr's claims to want to be in the room where it happens, he still isn't revealing everything about himself. He's still secretive. In Your Obedient Servant, Hamilton even says of Burr, no one knows what you believe. The blue light is indicating that Burr is still a secretive person. We still don't know everything that he stands for. The lighting for the last part of the song becomes very dynamic. It's, you know, the big finale of the number, that sort of thing, to kind of be like, hey, this is important, pay attention to this. Again, lighting at its very basic core on stage is indicating where we should pay attention. And then the song ends with a solo spotlight on Burr as he makes like a finger gun symbol with his hand and points it down. Which, if you pay attention, this song is essentially um, Aaron Burr's I Want Song. I talked about I Want Songs in episode 7, I believe. And at the end of Hamilton's I Want Song, my shot, Hamilton has a lot of light that's warm and yellow, and he's surrounded by a lot of different people. Lawrence, Lafayette, Mulligan, standing by him, you know, he's got friends around him. And Hamilton does finger guns and raises it to the sky. At the end of Aaron Burr's I Want Song, he does a solo spotlight. No one's around him, finger gun pointed down. So it's literally the opposite now that's just my interpretation of what the lighting kind of represents in this song. I'm willing to admit that I could be missing something or oversimplifying things. Howell Binkley, who did the lighting design for the show, has passed away, so there isn't really any way to absolutely confirm that this is the case, unless this is written down in one of the many Hamilton books that are out there, which I haven't read. This, again, is just kind of my interpretation. I've talked quite a bit about one song, so I'm not going to cover all the other songs quite in depth and all the other lighting cues, but I want to bring up a couple of small points regarding lighting that I found interesting during the show. Lighting cues can also be used, I mean, they can be used to show serious things like secrets and lies and things like that, but they can also be used to show humor. For example, in What Comes Next, when King George says, I'm so blue, he pounds his scepter on the ground and the lights turn blue. Lighting cues can also show excitement or action. This happens in the room where it happens, where, like I said, everybody's yelling where they want the capital and the lights flash bright really quickly. In Right Hand Man, it happens every time they sing boom to represent kind of cannon fire and gunfire. And in Washington On Your Side, every time they say, oh, the lights flash bright very quickly on these cues, almost like an exclamation point. I also want to talk about the gobo that I noticed when I saw Hamilton most recently in Edmonton. And when I saw this, I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I didn't notice this. It happens several times during the show. Uh, it happens in Ten Dual Commandments during Hamilton and Burr's duel at the end, a few other times, and that is that there's a gobo of a target that appears on the floor. A target like a bullseye target. This lighting pattern doesn't stay on the floor for the entire song. In fact, it's there briefly, and then it either will change colors. Sometimes it's like a red and yellow color, sometimes it's blue and white, or it disappears. But it's very clearly a target. And I can tell this because the seats that I had for the production that I saw in Edmonton were on the balcony stage right. There's two balconies at the venue that I was at. I was on the first balcony, so the lower balcony. So I had a really good overview of the floor. If you watch it on Disney+, Plus, you might notice it a few times, but with filmed on stage versions, they're also, with camera, they're going to be focused on close-ups of the performers, different sections of the stage. You might not be getting an entire overview of the stage and the set like you would be if you're watching it in person. So it's kind of hard to see in a few instances, but it is very clearly there. And if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, 
just stay and watch the end credits to the very end and they show kind of like a sepia tone image of the set and the stage with a target right there. I mean, obviously, target, 10 dual commandments, bullseye, duels, kind of makes sense. I also saw the target, it's a little harder to see in the room where it happens, because to me, this is the target of Aaron Burr. I shouldn't say the target of Aaron Burr, it's like Aaron Burr's target. It's his goal. You know, he wants to hit the bullseye, he wants to be in the room where it happens. He's being more forthright, he's having more active, dynamic kind of stuff. It's not something that you might notice right away, but since I pointed this out, if you watch it on Disney+, Plus or if you see the stage show, especially if you're sitting further back and you got a good view of the floor, you'll be able to see it. It's really easy to, to notice. Now there's lots more lighting cues that happen, and I did make quite a few notes about this, but I'm not going to go into more detail because... I could be here all day and I still don't even know entirely everything there is to know about lighting but even I can see how effective the lighting is in the show and how various shades of different colors and different levels of lighting helps contribute to the story, the character development, etc. And since Hamilton is on Disney+, Plus, you can watch it for yourself and kind of see how the lighting contributes to this musical. So that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Again, if you want to find resources for this episode, Make sure to visit TakeMeToTheWorld.com and go to the podcast link at the top of the page. This is episode 19. Thanks very much for listening and have a great day.